Okay, let's dive in. This is the last part of the perfect fit. This is the last um, sermon in this five-part series. And I don't know if you found it helpful, but I have found it helpful diving into the Word of God, thinking about, God, what is my purpose and how do I fit with your purpose and how do we as a church fit into your divine purpose for the planet? Uh, and that's what we've been studying. So if, you, if this is your first time, you can go back on our YouTube channel and watch the sermons that, that led up to this. But I want to dive today right into some scripture and then we're going to launch into part five of the perfect fit. So the scripture comes from Romans 12 two. It's a very famous passage about discovering your purpose. It's uh, from the Apostle Paul, and he writes this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is, this is interesting, the way he says this next part. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You know, you know, you can have, you, you know, you can, you can think you're pursuing God's will, but not be pursuing God's will. Has anybody ever done that? You think like, oh, this is God's will for my life, and then it turns out not. He said, you need to be able to uh, test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, God, God wants you to pursue his will, his good, perfect, pleasing will for your life, his purpose for your life, his mission for your life, not a mission that isn't his mission. So today, for the next few moments, I want to speak on the topic counterfeit callings, counterfeit callings. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's open our hearts and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for every single person in this place today. We thank you, God, that your word speaks to us, that it pierces even between the bone and the marrow. It gets right into the very heart and soul of who we are, God, and it is transformative when we open ourselves to receive it. And so I pray, God, that each and every one of us would open our heart, soul, mind, and body today to receive your word. Let it come in and transform us. Let it renew our minds that we may be able to discern and test the perfect will that you have for us, both individually and collectively as a church family. We thank you for this. We praise you. We give you all the, all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 In, in 1995, uh, one of the oldest and most prestigious art galleries in the entire world, uh, a gallery called the Nodler Gallery in New York City, bought a painting by a famous abstract artist named Mark Rothko. This is the painting that they bought. <laughs> I know some of you are like, oh man, come on, give me a paintbrush. And yeah, I hear you, I feel you. Um, so they bought this painting uh, at the bargain basement price of $750,000. Amen. 750000 They got that. And that was a, it was a deal. It was a steal because it was a Mark Rothko painting. Mark Rothko is like one of the most famous abstract artists in, in American art history. And so they got this painting from a, a woman who um, said that she represented an anonymous collector, a guy that she called Mr. X. Sounds a little fishy, but okay. So anyway, so she represents this guy, Mr. X. He's a collector, and he has this Mark Rothko painting that nobody knew about. They bring it to the gallery, and they sell it to the gallery for $750,000. Now, before the gallery cut the check, they went and, and made sure that they had all the experts come and, and test it and make sure that they got a legit a legit painting by Mark Rothko. And, and all the experts said, yeah, this is the real deal. This is amazing. This is an incredible find. The Nodler Gallery turned around and sold this painting for $5.5 million. Now, I'm not a math person, but that seems like 
that it seems like that worked out pretty well. Um, it, it seems like you made, made some money on that deal, right? So the, the, the representative, the woman that sold them this painting, she said, actually, I have another painting for you. It's a Jackson Pollock. So she brought him a Jackson Pollock painting. And Jackson Pollock, if Mark Rothko is famous, Jackson Pollock is like, he's like the guy, right, in abstract art painting. They, the, the Nodler Gallery had this analyzed. Yeah, this is a real Jackson Pollock painting. They turned around and sold this painting for $17 million. $17 million. Can anybody paint here? Is anybody, do we have any painters? Okay. Keep at it. Stay, keep working that brush. Uh, $17 million. Now, this, um, this collector kept bringing the Nodler Gallery piece after piece of unknown paintings by these amazing artists, Warhol, all these abstract artists, right? Over the course of about 10 years, the Nodler Gallery purchased about 60 of these paintings and then sold them for around $80 million. So Nodler Gallery is doing pretty good. They're doing pretty well, right? There was just one problem. There's one little problem that about after 10 years of selling these paintings and making $80 million, it turns out that all of them were fake. Every single painting was a counterfeit. They were all forgeries. Every single painting. Now, it's easy for you and I to... to I mean, when I, there's a documentary about this. When I watched the documentary, I just, I just felt so superior. You ever just, you're just like, <laughs> right? I just felt so self-righteous. Like that is, they're so dumb and I would never do that, right? But how many of us, in fact, let me ask it this way. Who of us have not pursued some counterfeit callings in our own life? Who of us have never, who of us have never done something, gotten to a relationship, uh, gotten to a job, uh, got, gotten to an investment, made a decision that we thought, man, this is the real deal. This is the perfect fit. This is the right thing. Only to find out, man, this is not what I thought it was. How many of you ever had that profile didn't match reality? You know what I'm saying? Out there, some of you young folks are dating and the swiping and left and right. Right? How, how many of us have not have, have, have entered into a path in life that we thought at one point, man, this is the thing, right? Only to find out that it isn't what it was cracked up to be. The Apostle Paul in this passage is saying, I want you to discern what is the good and perfect will of God. I don't want you to get conformed to this world. I don't want you to start pursuing callings that are counterfeits. I want you to pursue the divine calling that God has for your life. You see, he knows that every good thing, every virtue that God has for us, there's a very, there's a cheap mimic version of it that we a lot of times will pursue thinking we're pursuing the real thing only to find out it's a fake, it's a phony, it's a counterfeit. And then we are empty handed because, because it's worth nothing. It's not what it was cracked up to be. That's the problem with counterfeits. They seem real. They look real. They feel real. We think we're doing what God is calling us to do. And then suddenly we go, man, this isn't it. And the apostle Paul was not speaking as a novice. The apostle Paul had pursued some counterfeit callings in his own life. I don't know if you know the history of the apostle Paul, but for a long time, he was pursuing what he thought God wanted him to pursue. And in pursuing what he thought God wanted him to pursue, he was actually uh, chasing down, imprisoning, and even killing Christians, thinking that he was pursuing God's will. 
That's the history of his life. He was pursuing a calling that he believed to be God's divine, perfect goodwill for him. And it turns out, man, that is a counterfeit calling. And in fact, God had to get a hold of him. If you know the story from the book of Acts, the apostle Paul's heading down to Damascus and a light from heaven comes down, knocks him to the ground. And Jesus speaks to Paul and says, why are you doing this? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Why are you going against my will? Why are you pursuing a a purpose and a mission and a calling that's a counterfeit? I want you to come and follow Jesus. I want you to come and do what I've called you you to do. And it transformed the Apostle Paul's life. He he literally went from, from pursuing and persecuting Christians to advancing the mission of the gospel. A 180 turn in his life. So he knew what he was talking about when he said, watch out for counterfeit callings. I want you to go after what God wants for you. So what I want to do today for the next few moments is I want, to, I want to just share with you some of the counterfeit callings that you and I are likely uh, and probably have fallen for from time to time. Those kinds of things where you go, I feel like this is right. I feel like this is good. I feel like this is fulfilling. This seems to be where I'm, I'm supposed to be going, only to discover that, man, that, that didn't work out, Okay. Are you good with this? So I'm going to give you some counterfeits and I'm going to compare them to the real thing. That's the best way to figure out whether something is real or fake. You got to compare the fake thing to the real thing, right? So here's what we're going to, we're going to look at first. The first counterfeit calling is what I'm calling affirmation versus assignment. Affirmation versus assignment. What that means is a lot of times we are pursuing the applause, the accolades, the affirmation of other people as opposed to the divine assignment that God has for our life. And the accolades and the affirmation are intoxicating. And so it becomes very easy to go, it seems like I'm doing what God wants me to do because I'm getting the applause. I'm getting the affirmation. I'm getting the approval. And so this must be what God has for me. And the apostle Paul goes, no, 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 that's, that's not it. There's an assignment that may or may not have anything to do with human approval right? Do you know how Instagram and Facebook make all of their money? You want to know? That's how they make it. Why why do I say that's how they make it? Because that is what we want. If you're on Instagram or Facebook or any kind of social media, you will keep scrolling back to see how many likes you have. How many of you checked your likes on a post today? Nobody is admitting it. Okay, I checked some likes on a post today. I only had 11, so I'm crushed. <laughs> 11 likes. Um, we, we pursue affirmation. In fact, that whole industry is built on the innate reality that you and I have, which is we long to be affirmed. We get into bad relationships because they, they affirm us. We make bad decisions because that we feel some sense of affirmation. We will do things that we don't even believe in. We will do things that we know contravene our own ethics and morality if there are people behind us going, no, that's good. You should do that, right? Uh, there, the, the study of, of social media addiction is a fascinating study because it's kind of a new, relatively new field. Um, and, and what they've discovered is this. I found this to be really, really interesting. This is from... Um, uh, from, from some studies that, that look at addiction. They say this, the phenomena of social media addiction can be largely attributed to the dopamine-inducing social environments that social networking sites provide. Dopamine is that little chemical in your brain that says, woo you know, this is good. 
um, social media platforms such as Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram produce the same neural cir circuitry, circuitry that is caused by gambling and recreational drugs to keep consumers using the products as much as possible. Studies have shown that the constant stream of retweets, likes, and shares from these sites cause the brain's reward area to trigger the same kind of chemical reaction seen with drugs like cocaine. I mean, it's like, it's like crack, right? It's the crackberry. You, you, you used to have blackberries. We call them crackberries. Um, in fact, neuroscientists have compared social media interaction to a syringe of dopamine being injected straight into the system. Due to the effect that it has shown on the brain, social media is addictive both physically and psychologically. Now, obviously, that's not for everybody, but, but roughly between 3 and 10% of the population actually have a real, straight-up social media addiction problem. Um, uh, social media is addictive both physically and psychologically. According to a new study by Harvard University, self-disclosure on social network sites lights up the same part of the brain that also ignites when taking addict addictive substances. When an individual, this is interesting, gets a notification such as a like or a mention. <laughs> Don't you love getting mentions? And you go to that one little part of your social media page and it says, these people mentioned you. And then you go see what they, what they said about you, right? And then you mention them. And then it's just, it's fantastic. The brain receives a rush of dopamine and sends it along the reward pathways, causing the individual to feel pleasure. Social media provides an endless amount of immediate rewards in the form of attention from others. Affirmation for relatively minimal effort. The brain rewires itself through this positive reinforcement, making people like, uh, making people desire likes, retweets, and emoticon reactions. How about that emoticon with the squeezy hug? You know what I mean? You're like, how nice is it to get that one every once in a while, right? Affirmation is a, is a counterfeit calling. Affirmation is a counterfeit calling that the Apostle Paul is warning us to beware of. He's not saying don't use social media. He's saying don't put your identity in whether or not people like your posts. Don't put your identity in whether or not your views are popular. Don't put your identity into whether or not people applaud you when you say something, right? That's not your identity. That's not your calling. Your calling is not to be popular. Your calling is to find your purpose and live out the purpose that God has for you, the assignment that he has for you. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it. He says, for, for, and, and this is Galatians 1.10, for am I now trying to win the favor of people or God? Who's, whose applause am I seeking? Is this helping anybody today? Somebody's going to be freed from the people-pleasing, crushing desire for affirmation that just, it just, it just restricts your life. He says, am I, try, am I trying to uh, win the favor of people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave to Christ. He says, listen, I, I gave that up a long time ago. I figured out a long time ago I'd rather be on assignment than receive affirmation. Now, it's, it's great to still receive affirmation, but that's not what you're after. Don't Buy the counterfeit. Go for the real thing. I, I think, I just, I believe somebody here today needs to hear this part of the message who has been seeking to win your identity and gain your identity through the applause, the accolade. It might be a parent you're wanting to win their approval. It might be a child that you're wanting to win their approval. It might be some peers. It might be people you don't even know on social media. It might be that 12th like that I'm just dying to get. I'm going to check it after the service. Come on, number 12. It, it, it's, it, we don't know what it is, right? But for each of us, some, we need to be free from the desire to find our identity and our calling and approval and affirmation from somebody else. Are we good on that point? Everybody good? All right. The second, the second counterfeit calling is what I call money versus mission. 
Oh, man, this is going to be a real quiet Sunday, babe. It's going to be one of those real quiet Sundays. Money versus mission. Uh, a, few, um, a few weeks ago, my family and I, we went out to California to visit uh, my, wife's fam- my, my wife's family, Rebecca's family. And I took Rebecca, Rebecca and I drove up to L.A. To, to the old neighborhood where I used to live. And I showed her my old apartment in Mariposa and Wilshire Boulevard. And the, the neighborhood is like kind of picked up a little bit since I lived there. It was kind of crummy when I lived there. And the reason that it was crummy and the reason I lived there is because I was broke. I, mean, I was just broke. I lived in a studio apartment at, at, at Mariposa in Wilshire, um, and it was, it was pretty dingy. It was a pretty rough kind of environment. I had no money. I, had, I actually had no furniture. I had a chair, actually. I did have a chair. I had no TV. I had no radio. I didn't have a phone, people. I had no telephone. You know what I had? I had a bucket of quarters and a pager. Can I get a shout-out from the pager people in the house? Any page? Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a pager and a bucket of quarters, and there was a McDonald's at the corner of Wilshire and Mariposa with a payphone. So if somebody beat me on the pager, I would just grab my quarter, go over to McDonald's, pop it in, get on the payphone, have my conversation. That was my life, right? So you can imagine that there was a part of me going, I need to make some money. I need to not be sleeping on the floor in a studio apartment at Mariposa in Wilshire with a pager and a bucket of quarters. I need a better life, right? And I came to believe that if I had more money, then I would find more fulfillment. I would have more peace. I would have, everything would be changed if I had more money, right? So I began to pursue money. And now let me just say, you should make money. Amen, somebody? This is going to be one of those sermons. I can just tell. This is going to be, you, you, but if you're pursuing money, in, in exchange for your purpose, instead of your purpose, then you are pursuing compensation versus calling. Can I get an amen, somebody? That, that's not what God is calling you to do, right? So I, I, I was thinking like, man, if I just had some money, then my life would be straightened out. I could prove to everybody that I'm a person of value and a person of worth. I would prove to my family and my friends back home. And I just felt like that would work. Well, guess what happened? A friend and, a friend and I uh, wrote a screenplay. I don't know if I've ever shared this. And I, I, but we wrote a screenplay and we sold it to Danny DeVito and New Line Cinema. And I got a check. And it was a big check. Big for me. I, I, uh, I went down to the lawyer's office and I picked up my check. It was a $100,000 check, okay? I'd never had a $100,000 check. I don't even know if I had a $100 check before that. I had a $100,000 check. I went to my bank, which was right there at Mariposa and Wilshire, the Bank of America. By the way, that bank is where I had been banking for the last few years. So they knew my financial situation. My financial situation was go to the ATM, see if I can get a 20. If I get a 20, I'll go to Pollo Loco, get my smoky black bean burrito, $1.19, and I'll be set for the evening, right? And I'll do that every day this week. So they knew my financial situation. So I come walking in there with my $100,000 check. I was like, I just need to uh, deposit that, maybe make some withdrawals, okay? And um, the clerk behind the desk looks at the check. She goes, It'll just be one moment, sir. She goes and she gets a manager. He comes over and he's like, can we see your ID? I'm like, you bet. Boom. No big deal. hundred grand. They're looking back and forth and the ID. They actually go good. I don't know who that guy was. I don't know if it was a branch manager, regional manager. Another guy comes over. Finally, they took the check. They said, sir, we're going to take this check and we're going to deposit it. I just want you to know there's going to be an 11-day hold on the check. 11 days. I tried to be like real self-righteous. What, like, what are you talking about? You know, they're like, sir, you have 79 w- overdrafts, okay? They, so you still have some back stuff. To, so 
Anyway, long story short is I got my money, but it didn't get me what I thought it was going to get me. I was able to move up to the chicken burrito at El Pollo Loco instead of smoky black bean. But the fulfillment and the peace and the comfort and the lack of anxiety and the sense of fulfillment that I thought I was going to experience, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen until years later when I said, man, I need to go after my mission, not just after money. I need to go after God's calling for my life, not just compensation for what I'm doing. I need to pursue something of greater value because I've been pursuing a counterfeit calling and I'm ending up with empty hands. Even though I've got money in the bank, my heart is empty. My soul feels empty. I'm not following what God wants me to follow and my heart is broken. My life is still a mess even though my bank account is full. So what God is saying, and in fact, the apostle Paul puts it like this. He, he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says this after giving us a list of things that he had gained, right? And he says, but you know, those were gains to me. Those, were the, those established my identity. That's what I based my, my worth on. He says, but now I consider those a loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, I'm pursuing my real mission now. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You understand what he's saying here? He's saying, look, I thought all of these things were going to bring me joy and pleasure and fulfillment and confidence and peace of mind and remove anxiety. And I thought that I was going to get it from all this stuff. And what I did is I got all this stuff and I still didn't have what I thought I needed. I still didn't have what I needed in life. And so what I'm going to do is go single-mindedly after Jesus. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what will happen? All that other stuff is going to be added to you. So don't be pursuing the things that are counterfeit versions of reality. Your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows when the sparrow falls from the sky. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every blade of grass. He knows what you need. Go after him today. Go after him and trust him with everything else. Are you with me this morning? Maybe I just preach to myself all day. All right, I'm going to give you the third one. Ready? This is the last one. Comfort versus calling. Comfort versus, this is the third counterfeit. The third counterfeit calling. Um, would you hand me that bag, Rebecca? Would you hand me that bag? Um, let me show you something. This, this is a Gucci bag. This is a Gucci bag. Gucci bags are very high quality bags. Real genuine leather. You got stitched canvas. I mean, this is like, you got like inside, you got this very nice silk. Like this is very, this, these, these bags, cost, you know how much these bags cost? A thousand dollars, almost a thousand dollars. Just one problem. <laughs> this isn't a real Gucci bag. You might've figured that out, right? I actually got this at the Goodwill this week up on an olive for $8. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I still got the receipt right here. In fact, it's still got the, it's still got the tag on the back. $8, Goodwill. Bang, $8, right? This looks like the real thing. It's designed to look like the real thing. It's supposed to pretend to be the real thing, but it's not the real thing, right? The Apostle Paul is saying, look, there are a lot of things out there that look like the real thing. I would give this away, but I've just denigrated it so badly that nobody's gonna wanna carry it. So Rebecca, I just want you to know 
That's for you. Yes, Mother's Day next year. Actually, the lady at Goodwill was like, got a little something for the wife, huh? And I was like, you betcha. (laughs) Eight bucks, baby. Uh, (laughs) Comfort versus calling. Comfort is is the fake version. Calling is the real thing. Comfort is when we go, look, I th- I, I'm okay, right? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm happy where I am and everything is fine. And Jesus is calling us to something much greater than that. He's calling us to something deeper than that. He's calling us to something that may disrupt our comfort from time to time. I like to be comfortable. I don't like to be uncomfortable. But there are times in our life where God says, I need you to be uncomfortable. I need you to take a risk. I need you to make a move. I need you to take a step of faith. I, when, the, the last one that we did that was a major one was when, I was when we first planted the church and I was working at a job that I really enjoyed and was very comfortable. I, I had a, a very good job here in St. Louis at, at a big law firm downtown. It was very comfortable, but there was something uncomfortable. What was uncomfortable is that there was this calling in my heart and in my life. But, but I had to decide which discomfort am I going to live with? Am I going to live with the discomfort of knowing that I'm not pursuing the calling that God has on my life? Or am I going to live with the discomfort of not knowing whether we're going to be able to pay the mortgage, whether we're going to be able to pay the car note, right? I had to make a decision. And God in that time with the, with the support of my wife and friends and family and other pastors, I made a move. I made a decision that was uncomfortable. And I praise God every single day for it because it has led me into my calling. And I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I would so much rather, I would so much rather do this than anything else on the planet that don't tell our trustees this. Don't tell the, our trustees this because they, they, they're the ones in charge of my, my, my paycheck. Um, they set my salary. I would do this for free. I really would. I mean, I don't want to because I got things. I got bills to pay. I don't know if my wife would do it for free. But I, I, the reality is this. When we are willing to step out of our comfort zone and say, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. God takes care of the rest. And I'm not telling you to go do something foolish and, and, and you need to make sure you need to discern what is the good and perfect will. I don't want you to get caught up in a counterfeit calling and then take a leap of faith into something that wasn't what God wanted for you. Do you understand? But when we can allow our hearts and minds to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, then we can discern what is the good and perfect will of God, right? Here's the apostle Paul. He says this. Now he was comfortable. He had the right pedigree. He had the right job. He had the right education. He had the right teacher. He was in the right school of thought. He was in the right tribe and the right uh, uh, ethnicity. He was in the right, he was everything. I'm an Israelite of Israelites, right? I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was in all of the right categories. And he gave that up. And here's what he exchanged for it. He said, look, in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, five times I received 39 lashes from the Jews. Not comfortable. Three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Not comfortable. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Not comfortable. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I've faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the open country, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brothers, labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and lacking clothing. I have been uncomfortable, he said. But you know what? I would do it all because I want to know Christ. 
I want to pursue the mission that God has placed on my heart. I want to pursue the mission because there is a joy in fulfilling your mission, whether or not you are living in comfort, whether or not you are being affirmed, whether or not you are being compensated for your calling at this time. God is calling us and saying to each one of us, not just individually, but collectively, I want you to take a step. I want you to go deeper in. This is, this is my prayer for us today, and you can come help me close in. This is my prayer for us today. As we wrap up this series, and as we've been thinking about, God, what is my will? What is, what is your will for my life? Where do I fit, right? And, and we've talked, if, if you haven't seen these sermons, go back and watch them, because there's been some really, really practical applications. But I want to close with this today. I want to close with, like, you got to take that step. Ultimately, you've got to step into what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. You've got to be willing to say, these are the things of the world that are counterfeit callings. This is the perfect and good will of God, which may or may not be comfortable at times, which may or may not receive, cause you to receive affirmation and applause at times, which may or, or, or may not uh, put you in a good financial situation at times. You've got to be willing to take that step and say, God, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do what you've called me to do. The Nodler Gallery in 2011, after being the longest running gallery, one of the most prestigious galleries in the United States of America, it opened before the Civil War. It was, it was, it's been an amazing gallery for all of these years, 160, 170 something years. In 2011, closed its doors. Over. Why? Counterfeit calling because it embraced counterfeits. It stopped living out its mission. It stopped doing what it was designed to do. It doesn't exist anymore. God is saying to you and me, look, I, I want you to do what I've made you to do. I don't want you, if you pursue things that are not my calling for your life, you will find yourself empty handed. You will have an $8 fake Gucci purse from the Goodwill thinking that you're walking around all that, right? God is saying, look, I want you to pursue this. And here's what I want for us, church, individually and collectively. Can we just make a determination, a decision? We're going to be the church. We're going to be the church whether we are applauded or not applauded. We're going to be the church whether we are affirmed or not affirmed. We are going to be Christ's church. We're going to be his hands and feet on this planet. Right? We're, the Lord has anointed us to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted. He sent us to proclaim liberty to the captives. He sent us to open the prison doors to them that are bound. To bring comfort to those who mourn. To bring the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? So that the people he's called us to serve might be called trees of righteousness. That they might come and find the Lord and be established in the Lord and become trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Why? So he might be glorified. Let's do that. When we do that, individually and collectively, we live out the perfect and good will of God. We find our perfect fit. Let me pray for us. Father, you're good. You're so good. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that it just goes straight to our hearts today. I pray that this would not be in any way a, a, a condemning sermon, but a, but a liberating sermon. 
that liberates us from the false, phony, fake, counterfeit, forged callings that we tend to pursue only to find them empty at the end of the day. I pray that this would align us, Lord God, with your perfect will. I pray that our hearts would be transformed. I pray that our minds would be renewed by the power of your spirit. That we would not conform to the ways of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might discern individually and collectively what is the good and perfect will of God. Pray for every single person here today, God, that they would know how much you love them, that they would know how much you have sacrificed for them, that they would know, Lord God, how much you adore them and how open your arms are as you are drawing them into their perfect purpose that you have for them that was established before the world was built. Each and every one of us, God, is being called into your perfect will, your perfect purpose. We thank you for this. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. I want to invite you to join me in worship in a few different ways as we close. Uh, if you uh, want to connect with us in any way, please take a moment. Fill out that connection card, that online connection card through the QR code. Uh, that you can just click, uh, click on that QR code and, and let us know how we can serve you. Uh, let us know anything you need. If you want to get baptized, if you've never been baptized, you want to get baptized, let us know. If you want to make a commitment to follow Jesus, if maybe today you're sitting there going, I needed this. I need, I, I've been pursuing counterfeit callings. I need to go after Jesus. Uh, let us know. We want to be there to serve you and, 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 and help you. Uh, another way that I would invite you to participate today, if this is your church home, I'd invite you to participate in generosity and giving. Uh, if this is not your church home or you're a guest or a visitor, please do not feel any obligation to do this. This, this service is for you. We don't want anything from you. Uh, if this is your church home and you want to pursue and partner with One Family Church to, to do what God has called us to do in this city and beyond, then you can partner with us in giving and generosity. I want to invite you uh, to pray. Some of you might need prayer today. We have a prayer team that's in the side auditorium that are available to you on the way out. They are there and they are there to pray with you and pray for you. If you need somebody to just take you by the hand and pray with you as you're thinking through the next steps for your life, as you're, as you're starting a new school year, as you're starting a new job, as you're, as you're stepping into a new area of life, just know that our prayer team is here. We're here to pray with you. And then finally, I want to invite you to take communion with us. Uh, right in that side auditorium, we have uh, communion cups available, uh, and you can just take your time there. You can sit down and spend some time in God's word and spend some time in prayer and take the bread and the cup. Celebrate the sacrifice that he made for you.